When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, the incredible vaccine milestone we're set to hit tomorrow. Melbourne's path out of lockdown to be revealed what we know so far. New deadline, the race to serve Prince Andrew and wine tastings to workouts. how our Paralympians are surviving hotel quarantine. But first, there are fears that a care home in Sydney, devastated by COVID in the first wave last year, may be on the brink of another outbreak. Tom Saker's live from Newmarch House in Western Sydney tonight. Tom, good evening. What do we know? Well, Michael, I can tell you that a doctor who visited Newmarch House aged care facility here on the 10th, 11th and 13th of September only yesterday has this afternoon returned a positive test result for COVID-19. We also know that he visited one resident on each of those three evenings, so three residents in total. And it has triggered an immediate lockdown for the entire facility. Uh, All of these residents have been told not to open their front doors under any circumstances All of them have been tested and we are now awaiting their results. Uh, Sadly, this is a situation they're all too familiar with after they dealt with uh, an incredibly tough first wave of the virus last year. uh, 37 of the residents tested positive for COVID-19. 19 of them passed away. Uh, So an incredibly tough time again for them uh, this time round. We certainly hope that the results are better. We're still yet to find out if the doctor uh, was double vaccinated. You would certainly have to assume so, given what this aged care facility has been through. We certainly hope all these residents have Mm. received two doses of the vaccine as well, Michael. Absolutely. That's a worrying night ahead for them. I'll try and work that out, Tom. Now, New South Wales is expecting to hit a promising vaccination target tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. I can give you some good news. Uh, 80% of the population over 16 in New South Wales is expected to have at least one dose of the vaccine after 115,000 people came forward to get the jab in the past 24 hours. So a very good milestone is now only 16 days until New South Wales is expected to hit uh, 60% double dose vaccination and now only 28 days to 70% where we can expect to enjoy some longer way freedoms, Michael. Okay, they're good numbers. We need more of them. Tom Saker at Newmarch House in Sydney. Thank you. Victoria's Premier has finally indicated when he will reveal the state's roadmap out of lockdown. For more on this, Georgia Commonsoli joins us from Melbourne tonight. Georgia, good evening to you. Has there been any hint as to what the freedoms will be announced? Well, Michael, this Friday, Victoria will hit that really crucial 70% one-dose target. So far, 3.6 million Victorians have had at least one dose of the vaccine. And today, Premier Daniel Andrews said that this Sunday will be the day that he announces and shows us the roadmap out of lockdown. Keeping in mind, this particular lockdown was supposed to be a snap seven-day lockdown. We've now been in it for over 40 days. So as you can imagine, many people are pushing for things like getting our kids back into schools and having social gatherings of some sort. Absolutely. Let's have a listen to what Dan Andrews had to say today. There'll be a map that talks about what we're going to do in the rest of September, what we're going to do in October, what we're going to do in November. I will have more to say about schools, more to say about um, 
social gatherings, more to say about the economy and all of its different sectors. All of that will be out there on Sunday. All right, we'll bring on Sunday. Hopefully some good news there. George, all this happens as Victoria hospitals brace for more cases. Just run us through the number of cases from today. Well, Michael, today we had 445 new cases, 216 of those were mystery and sadly we recorded three more deaths. At the moment, our hospital system is under immense pressure. Over 700 staff members have been furloughed and they're expecting even more cases over the coming weeks. Some projections suggest that by mid-October, our hospitals will need over 800 beds for COVID patients. Michael? All right, Georgia Commonsoli, Melbourne, thank you. Now, let's take a look at the vaccine rates around the country right now. In the past 24 hours... Over 275,000 people received the jab. That means over 23 million doses have now been administered in total. At this rate, by this Saturday, 70% of eligible people will have received their first dose and are expected to have their second by October 30. And 80% of us are expected to be fully vaccinated by November 14. A woman with cancer is tonight packing her bags, finally granted an exemption to fly back to Brisbane, not only to her loving family, but to take part in an Australian first therapy. Unbelievably, it was only after a Seven News report that Queensland Health cleared Marianne Bedwell's return so she can access the potentially life-saving treatment. Here she is talking to her elated father, Bruce. And I never thought I'd say I'd wish to see you in the RBH as a patient, but there you go, I do now, I really do. Never thought I would desperately want to get into a hospital either, other than to be a nurse and look after someone else. But there's going to be amazing people out there to look after me, so I'll be forever grateful. I'm so relieved that this has come through. Our reporter Erin Edwards joins us now from Brisbane. Erin, good evening to you. Even after this ordeal, the Bedwells, they're feeling grateful. Michael, despite cancer at 34, despite two rounds of failed chemo, the Bedwells are so grateful and so relieved. Doctors say Marianne had just six weeks to start gene therapy and these delays have cost her eight days she didn't have. They don't blame Queensland Health. They know they are overwhelmed. The exemption unit, made up of 80 clinicians, has assessed more than 57,000 requests. They have more than 3,500 people waiting for answers right now. The Bedwells, though, say the system needs to be fixed, so the most urgent cases like Mary Ann's can be triaged. Erin, this really is life and death. What will access to this treatment mean for Mary Ann? Michael, her chance of survival soars from 10% to 50%. Marianne's T-cells will be harvested at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospitals, sent to the United States and returned to Brisbane, where they'll be transplanted in four weeks. It'll be five months before doctors know if it has worked. Marianne's parents, who've felt so powerless to help, have built her a tiny house in their yard. For the next few months, she'll be here and that love and attention will be focused even more finely. And we may not have had that same kind of togetherness if she hadn't been ill. That's pretty weird, isn't it? But that's how it is. So we'll, we'll take that four or five months and make it work for us. Marianne arrives at 1.30 tomorrow. And our thoughts are with her for all of this great treatment ahead. All right, Erin Edwards in Brisbane, thank you. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Lockdown in the ACT has been extended for another month until October 15th. The state recorded 22 cases today, with at least 13 spending time in the community while infectious. Police have released body cam footage of the horrific attack on two female officers in Sydney yesterday. In court, the man claimed to have no recollection of the incident. A magistrate ruled that he poses a serious danger to the community. 43-year-old Alexander Vrechkov from Yaguna will remain behind bars for now. WA's organised crime squad has seized $7 million and 28 kilograms of heroin during a big drug bust in Western Australia. Officers allegedly infiltrated international drug organisations pretending to be distributors. 19 people were arrested in that undercover sting. And a young woman's recovering in hospital after being stabbed while sunbaking on a Mackay beach. 23-year-old Caitlin Jones was attacked by a 16-year-old boy at random, leaving her with wounds to her neck and body. The boy faced a closed court today. It's unknown if he was released. Scott Morrison will make his first visit to the White House since President Biden took office, planning to fly out to Washington next week. Let's go to our political reporter, Rob Scott, in Canberra now. Rob, good evening. So who else will be at the summit? Well, this is the first face-to-face -face leaders meeting of the alliance known as the Quad, Michael. So along with President Biden, Scott Morrison will be joining the Prime Minister of India, Narendra Modi, and Yoshihide Suga of Japan in Washington. Now, the Quad has been around in various forms since 2004, so hosting the first ever in-person summit is a sign of the importance the Biden administration is putting on building relationships within the Indo-Pacific, specifically to counter China's growing assertiveness in this region. Uh, the withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan and fighting COVID-19 will also be high on the agenda at the White House next week, as will climate change. And that's where it could get really uncomfortable for Scott Morrison because the leaders will be making statements about their collective efforts to address the climate crisis. And he is the only one who hasn't yeah. committed to net zero by 2050. That could be a tricky conversation. Now, as the PM prepares to fly out, many Australians are coming to the realisation that they just are not going to be home in time for Christmas. Yeah, sadly, just as the federal government has finally begun to talk about reopening the borders and allowing people to travel again, there's been a series of new flight cancellations. A lack of a firm commitment about when passenger caps will be removed has forced uh, Singapore Airlines to scrap at least one flight a day into Australia over the next three months. Now, those are the flights that the airline had put on in anticipation. A travel bubble between Singapore and Australia would be in place towards the end of this year. But the recent outbreaks here, uh, that hasn't eventuated. So that has left many, many people devastated. But because Singapore is a major regional hub where people from all over the world travel through on the way to Australia, the wider ramifications of these flight cancellations really could be on a, on a global scale. It's got to be addressed. These Australians stuck overseas. It's gone on far too long. All right, Rob Scott in Canberra, thank you. Tropical storm Nicholas has made landfall in Texas, leaving some 300,000 homes and businesses without power. Parts of Louisiana and Mississippi are now facing up to 50 centimetres of rain and the threat of flash flooding as that storm moves east. President Biden has declared an emergency in Louisiana just weeks after Hurricane Ida made landfall. 
Vladimir Putin has gone into isolation tonight due to a COVID outbreak within his entourage. The Russian president's not sick, according to a Kremlin spokesperson, but will pause all in-person meetings and public duties. It comes a day after he met with the Syrian leader, Bashar al-Assad. And UK researchers are trialling a revolutionary way to detect up to 50 types of cancer. It involves a blood test that finds traces of DNA leaked from tumours into the bloodstream. 140,000 people uh, between the ages of 50 and 77 are participating in a trial. If successful, it could save countless lives each year. The clock is ticking for US lawyers trying to serve Prince Andrew with legal papers for sexual assault allegations. Our Europe correspondent Sarah Greenolch, live in London for us tonight. Sarah, hello to you. What is the latest with this intriguing case? Michael, good evening. Well, there's sort of two elements uh, what happened in a New York court yesterday. The first being what Prince Andrew's Hollywood lawyer told the judge. He says that this case is basically invalid, uh, saying it is, quote, baseless, non-viable and potentially unlawful due to a confidential settlement that Virginia Dufresne signed back in 2009. So Virginia Dufresne is, of course, the one accusing Prince Andrew of sexually assaulting her on three occasions when she was 17 years old. She signed this confidential settlement in relation to accusations against Jeffrey Epstein, the convicted pedophile and Prince Andrew's friend. But Andrew's lawyer said that that settlement releases him and others from any potential liability. So that is the first argument. Uh, the second thing he is saying is about the serving of these very important legal documents, these papers that were given by Dufresne's legal team to a police officer at Prince Andrew's Windsor Mansion. Uh, according to his lawyer, that wasn't good enough, it wasn't served properly, and that a UK UK High Court may need to decide whether that process happened uh, appropriately. The New York judge, understandably, was pretty irritated by all of this, saying uh, to both parties, let's cut the technicalities, let's get down to some substance. He did grant Dufresne's team an extra week to try and sort out the serving of these papers. Prince Andrew Michael, he has always denied these allegations. He remains at his mother, the Queen's Balmoral Estate in Scotland. He went shooting over the weekend, which probably isn't a great look uh, as the drama continues. Legal cat and mouse game. It's fascinating to see how this one's actually mm. rolling. All right, Sarah, some slightly happier news for the Royals. The Duchess of Cambridge is uh, poised to make her first public appearance in more than two months, and that's significant. Why? Uh, because hopefully, Michael, it'll stop all the wild tabloid <laughs> speculation. Poor Kate has gone on this uh, very long extended summer holiday, as you would, yeah. uh, and the tabloids have been going nuts with speculation about her having another baby. Where could she possibly be? Well, tomorrow you'll all be pleased to know that she's back at work. She's going to an RAF base where she will be meeting with military personnel and civilians who were all involved in the evacuation uh, of people from Afghanistan last month. So don't worry, Michael. I know you've been missing the pictures of Kate <laughs> but you'll get some freshies tomorrow. <laughs> or as your colleague Hugh Whitfeld the other night said, uh, no, look, posh people in the UK just take two-month holidays. That's the way it works. <laughs> She's <not> Correct. <laughs> so, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. And we'll go live view on that one as well, if you don't mind, because that'll be interesting. See you then. All right, Sarah, thank you. <laughs> Welcome back. We're more than three months away from Christmas, but you might want to start jotting down some early present ideas tonight. Australia Post releasing new figures which show our posties are going to have their busiest December ever. Our network finance editor, Gemma Acton, is with me at the desk. Uh, Gem, good evening to you. Um, I imagine they are already uh, run off their feet. They're already dealing with record volumes now, aren't they? Absolutely. August was their busiest month on record, and one week in mid-August uh, was the busiest week they've had all year. But as you say, that's absolutely going to be surpassed 
forecasts later this year, they're expecting almost $17 billion worth of online sales in the last three months of the year, clearly helped by Black Friday and Cyber Monday in November. And then that runs straight into the Christmas season. So, uh, yeah, a lot of pressure already and a lot more to come. So how are they planning to get everyone's deliveries, you know, to <laughs> homes on time? They're already squeezed. They're, they're... They are. They are. So, uh, yeah, the last month there, were, there was a period where they actually had to stop deliveries for a few days just to catch up. Uh, so they're just going to beef up their operations. They're hiring around 4,000 more people. Wow. For November and December, they're going to start delivering seven days a week rather than just the five at the moment. Uh, they're asking us to start thinking about buying yeah. already. I have certainly not thought about my Christmas list yet, uh, but they would like us to get onto it to uh, you know, avoid disappointment and make sure there isn't a huge backlog when it comes to uh, December. And they're also speaking to retailers and saying, this is the time to get your online stores in order. What kind of tracking services do you offer? Do you offer click and collect as an alternative? Is what you say available on your website really there or, or are customers going to be disappointed? So just hoping everyone uh, will get themselves a little, organised a little bit earlier this year. Uh, look, and I would, just briefly, I would imagine just to expand on a point, Australia Post is going to stay this way, right? I mean, habits have changed. That's right. Uh, so, I mean, this survey, there was a survey done recently, um, partly done by Australia Post, so I'm sure that they, uh, you know, talking about what's in their interest as well. But apparently, of all the people who online shopped last year, only 3% said they will not online shop anymore once the pandemic is over. So certainly habits are changing. The longer lockdowns go on, the more different type of items and the more expensive items we become comfortable with buying online. Mm. So we've, there's a lot of behaviour has been changed about how we buy online yes. and behaviour at the checkout as well. Oh, behaviour at the checkout, I, I'm very guilty of this. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are. It's when you load up your cart with all sorts of items, yeah. then you can't be bothered to fill in the address forms or walk to the next room and get your wallet. Uh, apparently 86% of carts are abandoned if the delivery cost comes up too late in the piece. So we're just about to check out. Yeah, I've done that. And then we yeah. see that it's $10, $15, and we... It, it might not even be that much, but it's just sticker shock. We weren't expecting yeah. to pay that. Another problem is people often want click and collect, and around a third of us apparently abandon if that's not given as an option. Uh, so, again, a, a bit of an urge to retailers to really make sure you're not annoying people at the last minute because so many carts are still abandoned. But then they keep annoying you because if you leave something in the oh, cart it's worse. You get and they keep contacting <laughs> you non-stop, you're still interested in the item. <laughs> You've left something behind. Just delete it. Get rid of it. Unsubscribe. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Michael. A week after the closing ceremony and our Paralympians still have a golden glow about them, even while in hotel quarantine, and some of them have found novel ways to entertain themselves as they wait for their freedom. Take a look. Hey, everyone. Welcome to my documentary life. I thought that I would film for you guys a workout video, very much like what Jane Fonda does, except without the leg warmers. <laughs> But I actually don't have legs, so it doesn't really matter anyway. But I hope you enjoy my workout video and hope you guys join along at home too. Can each 
Konnichiwa, everyone. Uh, tonight we've got a, a requested grape, a Shiraz, a 2017 Keith Turlock, uh, the Kester. I keep saying Keister, but that's definitely not right. Well, I'm smelling, actually, it smelled like raspberry jam and toasted marshmallows, but when I got to tasting, it tasted like blackberry. It's quite juicy, but then it has a really dry finish, which is what I don't like. But um, that's why I rated it as uh, 14.8 out of 20. Another gift pack from the guys at Storyfest, which I'm presenting at next month, which I'm excited about. I'm lucky I bought my wheelchair because once I eat all this stuff that I've been getting, um, I'm going to have to wheel out of here. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sensing two very different forms of quarantine here in hotel lockdown. Paralympic champions Kurt McGrath and Ellie Cole join me now. Uh, lovely to see you both. Um, Ellie, I'll go to you first. Uh, you're, you're doing it very differently to Kurt right now. <laughs> are, you, are you actually watching each other's videos and really, hang on, am I doing the wrong thing or the right thing here? You know what? Each to their own. If that helps Kurt get through 14 days of mandatory <laughs> quarantine... Who am I to judge? I would personally do wine tasting myself, but I think the only comparisons that I would be able to draw is that I'm drinking a red or a white. <laughs> I would definitely not be going to the same extent as he is. <laughs> Kurt, you're, de you're definitely doing it, enjoying the finer things in, in your quarantine there. Yeah, definitely. I just thought I'd uh, enjoy myself. And we're a bit of a wine fan, so uh, I thought about it before I bought, came in. So we got a quarantine box, and I sort of got through the loophole of only allowing one bottle per day. So... There's a few in there, so <laughs> bought a few more. No, well done. Um, Ellie, tell me, how, how are you actually going there? I mean, it's uh, for, for both of you who are used to a lot of activity, a lot of routine around your lives as well, um, what, what, are the, what are the differences you're feeling there in hotel quarantine? Uh, it's certainly been a very interesting experience. Um, you know, athletes, were just so used to living a structured lifestyle and then we're put into a hotel room for two weeks and we have absolutely no structure at all. I did make the mistake on day four of staying in my pyjamas until lunchtime mm. and I learned very quickly not to do that again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, first thing in the morning that I do now is just get up and do a workout because that's what I've been doing my whole life and it's certainly setting my day up a lot better. But um, quite enjoying just the peace and quiet after such a hectic oh, yeah. lead into the Tokyo Games. It's actually been quite nice. And I might get, order myself a bottle of wine as well. I, I well, Kurt can post one over to you, I'm sure. We can get that figured out. Um, are you getting a good reaction to your workout videos, Ellie? I am. You know, uh, I've, I've gotten quite, quite a lot of good feedback and a few recommendations as well. I even created an adaptive workout video uh, for people who have lower limb impairments and are un unable to use their legs. And so I'm getting a little bit more creative, um, continuing, continuing on the Paralympic spirit and making sure I'm taking care of my friends with yeah. a disability out there as well, even in my workout videos. Yeah, well, you are, and it's fantastic. And, Kurt, you're sort of doing the finer things in life uh, version of the hotel quarantine there. How are you finding it now away from all of that amazing uh, training regime that you had going into Tokyo and just stopping for a little while? Yeah, it's been really nice to have this break. I think it's uh, given a bit of time to reflect as well. Like I'm, I'm wrapping up uh, writing my book with James Phelps and, and getting that all done. So in the mornings, it's, you know, it's it's a coffee and some emails and, and then start sort of editing and, and looking at the, the publisher's emails and things like that. So trying to get all that right and then uh, obviously on to the, the wine tasting in the evenings. Uh, but today it's alcohol-free, um, just a gin and tonic. Um, yeah, it's all right. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, just enjoying, enjoying this time and peace and quiet. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a good time to reflect. Could it might sound like a semi silly question, but do you, do you – I presume you've got your medals in your room. Do you, do you sit and just have a look at them and, and reflect on what you achieved? 
I don't think I, I look at them as much as Ali does. Um, I've seen them probably more than any other medals <laughs> in anyone's social media. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I said, it, it is a pretty cool thing just to pick up and, and, and play with and, and look at and, and reminisce on, on the work that goes in and the people that help me get there. So, um, yeah, like I said, you know, it's nice to have this time to re- reflect and re- you know, remember what, what we did. Yeah. And Ellie, your reflection time, I guess, is is a um, perhaps a little deeper in that you know you're now retiring from Paralympics. I think you've got the Com Games ahead of you, which you'd like to give a shot. But how have you been looking back on your incredible career and all your success? It's, uh, it's certainly been a time of reflection, like Kurt said. Um, except for me, it's not just reflecting on Tokyo; it's reflecting on 16 years of being on the Australian swimming team. Um, and it's been just such a joy. But the exciting thing is now that I get to look forward to more opportunities and, and finally joining the workforce at 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, but t- tell me about that. What shape is that going to take for you? Well, I'm, I'm certainly exploring a few different pathways at the moment. But for me in quarantine for the last two weeks, um, just tapping into as many mentors that I can just yeah. to give me some advice because um, transitioning from an athlete life into the workforce can be quite difficult for many people and I still want to stay involved in sport and the media somehow so at the moment it's just about speaking to as many people as I can that have that experience. I'm sure you're going to be snapped up I've got no doubt about that and Ellie one great thing and for all those years that you've been in Paralympic sport that recognition by the government to give equal bonuses uh, as the Olympians your reaction to that? It was incredible when I found when I heard the news about the pay parity You know, I I just kind of put it to the back of my mind quite quickly, but then I sat in my um, room in the Athletes' Village in Tokyo and had a bit more of a think about how historic the day was and what that actually meant for recognition of people with disabilities, not just in sport, but that our Prime Minister was standing up in Parliament House and telling a country that he sees us as equals. Um, I'm blown away and I am so excited to be leaving Paralympic sport but excited by, you know, where it could go and, and the road that it could take. Well, you've been a wonderful role model in all of that and helped push it all along, so congratulations to you. And, Kurt, your reaction to that news about the parody as well? Yeah, I think, like Ali said, uh, you know, just being given an equal opportunity, and I think that's what um, every Australian wants, and, and it's nice that our leaders can can put that um, that statement out there and, and, and you know, follow up with the words and, and give us that equal opportunity and that equal recognition of, of our efforts and our time and commitment to our sports and representing Australia on the world stage. Look at you go there in that vision too. It's fantastic to watch back again and both of you when we've been replaying the vision. I think we miss it, but quite frankly, all of Australia right now, we really miss watching all of that terrific sport. But, Kurt, I was going to ask you how you're going to celebrate once you're allowed out of, out of quarantine. I, I, I think it's going to be with wine and food. You've sort of been celebrating already, haven't you? Uh, yeah, in a way. Um, yeah, I'm only having a... A few glasses and that but yeah. uh, it'd be nice to see my friends and see my wife especially yeah. um i think a few few dinners booked and things like that so just to just to hang out with them and um you know actually talk to a human would be nice as yeah well. <laughs> i'm sure yeah we can do one of these every night if you like if it fills in the time we can we can help you with a bit of company ellie what about you what how are you going to celebrate when you get out of hotel quarantine well i'm heading straight back into a sydney lockdown <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but one thing that I'm really looking forward to that the beds weren't too comfortable in Tokyo. They were made out of cardboard. Yeah, yeah. And I'm um, really looking forward to going back to my thousand thread count sheets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, that's that's absolute comfort, isn't it? 
Absolute comfort. You yeah. should never skimp on linen. <laughs> Good advice from Ellie Cole there. All righty. Uh, you can find yourself a new sponsorship in Linen there too after this. Um, hey, look, it's been really lovely to talk to both of you and I love following all of your uh, your daily posts as well. It's terrific. And congratulations again on just a wonderful Paralympics for both of you. Ellie Cole, Kurt McGrath, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Now, Gemma Acton's back with a look at the markets. Thanks, Michael. We had quite the turnaround here at home today that was following Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe's reassurance that the next interest rate hike really is most likely to be in 2024, not earlier. Hong Kong shares are also feeling the pressure of the Chinese government's increasing interference in how private businesses are run. U.S. traders will have their eyes firmly on tonight's consumer price inflation data. It's not expected to top the recent high of 4.5%, but still likely to be above 4%. Ahead of that, Wall Street is set to open modestly higher. Oil prices are regaining strength on continued bottlenecks in supply, while the Aussie dollar is receding once again. Michael. Thank you for your company this evening from the team here at 7 News. That is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Have a great night.